Welcome to this Edge Church podcast. We are a people whose mission is to know Christ, be the church, and serve our community. We pray you are blessed and equipped by this message. Well, I've had an interesting week and um, I don't know of a time more than now than the desperate need to hear from God, uh, to represent His Word and to honour the call of God on our lives. And this morning I got up early and I was just seeking God and just the thoughts that came into my mind before I go into the Word, the first one was, it's all about relationship. It's all about relationship. Sometimes we try to run things with people that are capable of doing certain roles and that's all important and needed. But I believe God is bringing us into a season of deep relationship, not just with God, but with each other. And I was only this week listening to some business talks. This week I got to work with a company for four days um, over training staff and I was listening to a secular speaker And he was saying, the world has come to a place where customers will go where they are appreciated. Customers will go where they feel they're cared about by the people they're doing business with. And they say, if you wanna build a good business, build relationship and your customers will be loyal. It amazes me that sometimes the world is smarter than the church in the way we do life. But let me tell you, God's taking us into a new era a new chapter, a new time in history that no matter what we do, it has to flow out of relationship. In 1994, one of the first verses God gave me when we were at O'Halloran Hill was Psalm 133, where brethren dwell together in unity. Not show up every now and then and do a bit of work together. Not just volunteer here and there but where brethren dwell together. Organic relationship is coming to the church, not just because you go to a G3 group or you go to this group or that group, as good as those things are. They have to be genuine, authentic connections that are real and honest. You've got to be in the right place with the right people and then we can pray for the power to float. Sometimes we pray for the power but we don't care about the people and we don't care where the place is. But I believe God wants to unite us in this season and I pray the Word of God today will excite us together because we're coming into a genuine, genuine time of koinonia, a time of genuine unity, not because it's ordered by the top, but because we have this organic connection because we're dwelling together in unity. And that Word, command the blessing. In the actual Hebrew, the original Hebrew, talks about God opening up the heavens and financially blessing, sending blessing down when we dwell together in unity. The the original word is only found in Leviticus and it's only found in Deuteronomy. And it talks about God commands. When God commands, it's an order from heaven that He wants to bless. And I believe we're standing under a canopy right now of breakthrough and God's about to do something awesome. Can you say thank you to Jesus for that today? Amen. So Moore, you're really excited there. Yeah, okay. And so <laughs> my message today, and I believe it's from God, is arise and build. Arise and build, a word that has come to this house over many, many years. Now, before I open up the book of Nehemiah, 
which I wanna speak about today. I wanna say this, and this is not an arrogant statement, but I love the Bible. I can't do my Christianity without the Bible. It freaks me out how many people call themselves Christians and never open a Bible during the week. And then wanting the church to provide for them spiritual sustenance. And I'm sure there's nobody like that here, but let me say this, I love the Bible. I've experienced its promises. I've experienced its protection over my life. I've experienced this pattern for me to live by its prophetic direction in my life. It's comforted me. It's corrected me. And it's connected me to truth and godly relationships. The Bible has mentored me. I grew up in an era where we didn't have a lot of mentors. God is raising mentors now. But when I was growing up in my calling, we were released into ministry and then off you go, we believe in you. But there wasn't that mentorship that right now God is providing and will be providing for His church. Jesus Christ has mentored me in my Christianity so that I wouldn't be a churchian, but that I would be a Christ follower, not just a church goer. The Apostle Paul has mentored me in leadership and all through my leadership years, I've gone to him and I've watched chapter after chapter on how he says to the Philippians, you're my partners in the Gospel, showing me that people aren't an object to the achievement of my vision but our people are our partners in the Gospel. Every time I think of you, I give God thanks for you. That's Paul speaking as an incredible leader. I've been studying the book of Colossians this last two weeks and Paul talks about all the team that is around him, that he talks about, I'm sending these people and they've heard about you and they've told me how awesome. If you've got time, go home and read Romans chapter 16, the last chapter. He mentions about 36 people in there that were personally connected to Him, thanking people for cooking food for Him. Sometimes we super spiritualise Christianity when it's supposed to be an organic family that operates under godly leadership. And so Paul has mentored me in leadership. The Apostle Peter has mentored me on how to handle my emotions in leadership. I remember going and seeing Dr. Ray Andrews at a time when as a family, we were going through so much challenge. And many of you know the story of our broken son. And he sat with me and he said, you're like the Apostle Peter. You over, you over promise and under deliver because you can't give everybody what you wanna give them. And he goes, and you're a feeler. And he talked to me about how my emotional life is wired and that so set me free and showed me who I was. And I look at the Apostle Peter and I identify with him so much in my emotional side of my leadership. I remember when God took me to the book of Daniel and showed me how to reach Babylon and go into the community, but never compromise the culture of Judah, even though we can speak the language of Babylon. Do you know the, the culture of Babylon has come into the church in the West? And so we've lost the culture of Judah, a people of praise because of the world. And God showed me that. But I remember way back in 94, when God took me and gave me a pattern for leadership for our church out of the book of Nehemiah. Now, these are only a few mentors in Scripture that I've turned to, but they've had a major effect in my life. So those of you that were here 
all those years ago will realise, and I'm gonna go through this real quickly for a minute. Chapter one, Nehemiah prays. This vision was birthed in a year of prayer. You remember that, Karen? When uh, I know there was nice croissants and good coffee at the prayer meeting on Saturday mornings up at O'Halloran Hill, but it wasn't just the coffee and the croissants. There was a, a real passion to pray. And the first year, we didn't know exactly where we were going, but we prayed. Nehemiah prayed in chapter one. He prepares in chapter two. He has progress in chapter four. Sorry, in chapter three. And then there's persecution, chapter four. Do you know every vision has a chapter four? Marriages go through chapter fours. Businesses go through chapter fours where you're in the middle of doing a great work and there's determination and then attack comes. And then there's chapter five where in chapter four, the attack came from outside the family the family of the, the Jewish people. And it came from people that were attacking the vision from outside. But then we get to chapter five and the attack starts within. And in chapter five, people got upset. They weren't getting their proper pay. And so they turned on each other, started charging interest on money they were lending to each other. And all this discontent happened in chapter five and every church, every vision might not be through those issues, but every vision will go through chapter fours and chapter fives. Chapter four is persecution, chapter five is postponement. It's a time of treading water where you don't go forward, but you also don't go backwards and you're just hanging in there. And then comes chapter six. I'm so amazed that how God works, that at the beginning of chapter six, the attack continues. But then as we read further, and we'll read it in a moment, we see right in the middle of that chapter, God responds, a breakthrough happens. The wall is built in 52 days. After all that attack, and from that chapter onwards, miracles begin to happen. In chapter seven, people are placed in the right place and they're standing in front of the wall of the, that's being built where they lived. They took ownership. And I remember when we were in chapter seven, I remember when we were in chapter six and we bought this building while we were in chapter six. And in chapter five, we'd had people leave the church. In chapter four, persecution. We thought, what are we gonna do? We put our houses on the line and think, but are people are gonna come. And there was all this attack after attack and I'd go home and say to Sharon, do we really wanna do this? And then in a short time, God provides this building supernaturally and we go into chapter six. Chapter seven, people started to be positioned in their place and chapter eight, which I'm gonna concentrate on and prophesy over this house today is the proclamation of DNA, a divine natural alignment. And we see that happen in chapter eight of Nehemiah. And I see a church in Nehemiah eight that in the last few months, God's been reminding me that this is where we're going in the body of Christ. And I want you to receive this today because I really believe it's a word from God. But we all go through chapter fives. We were just treading water. And I just wanna say this, that last Saturday, I was getting ready to go to Melbourne, to our Melbourne campus. 
And if this message goes to Bristol and if this message goes to Melbourne, Melbourne, what a great time we had together in our meeting last week in Bristol. We're praying for you. We love you. And this Word is for you. It's for all of us. It's for Melbourne. I didn't do this message in Melbourne. But as I'm sitting in the airport, I'm sitting there and the Holy Spirit in the airport says, get ready, chapter six is about to launch. And I'm going, wow. Now I'm working with another church in Australia that's gone through the exact journey that Edge has gone through. Our pastor has just been appointed to that church. And so I'm in the airport. I got quite affected by the drivenness of this Word of go to Nehemiah 6, read it. And I'm in the airport reading it. On Monday morning, the pastor in that other church interstate rings me. He says, Pastor Danny, we're nearly there. I was in the airport and God gave me Nehemiah chapter 6. And I said, you're kidding me. Isn't it amazing we ask God to speak and when He does, we freak out and go, wow. But that's what we asked Him to do is to speak. And so I said, you're not gonna believe this. I was in Adelaide Airport and got the same Scripture. And so today, before I go into that Scripture, I felt in the Spirit. And we're just gonna pray just for a moment that the Lord reminded me that there are seasons. Of course, we're in a summer season right now. Summer, winter, autumn, spring. We go through seasons in life, not just eras, but there are seasons. And we had a man stand on this platform about 15 years or maybe 10 years ago. And he said, did you know that there are five seasons? There are five seasons, not four. You got summer, winter, autumn, spring, but the fifth season is when you're in between seasons. You don't know where you're going, but you don't wanna go back to where you were. And I felt in prayer yesterday that there are people in this room and in this church today that you feel like you're in that fifth season. And let me remind you, a couple of weeks ago, I spoke on the God of open doors and that this year was gonna be a year of amazing open doors. But sometimes we find ourselves stuck between seasons. We certainly don't wanna go back to the stuff we've been through, but we're not so so clear on what's happening. And as a church, corporately, we've had a few months of being stuck. We don't wanna know, we're not sure where we're going, but we don't wanna go back to some of the things we had. And right now there are people in this room and I wonder if we can bow our heads just for a moment. Saying, Pastor Danny, I actually feel I'm an in-between season I'm in that season five and I want to believe God's got a word for you today that you're coming out of that. But you know, you're gonna go forward. Do not fear. If that's you, I want you to slip up your hand so I can see, yes, many of you, many, 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 many hands today. Thank you for your honesty. You can put them down. Heavenly Father, you speak because you wanna heal us. You speak because you wanna lead us. You speak because you wanna take us somewhere great in you, freedom in our spirit, hearts and minds. There's some of you here, you stepped out only not that long ago into something you really believed was God, but it didn't land the way you thought it was gonna land. And you do feel you're in that fifth season. Holy Spirit, I pray that you lift lift burdens off these dear people that have raised their hands today and sow a seed of faith in their heart today. I don't even know the right words to use other than God, come right now. 
and help these people to come through into a breakthrough season of chapter six. They don't have to stay in chapter five and some of them may be in chapter four. But Father, I pray chapter six over all of us today as we believe we're gonna arise and build in Jesus' Name, Amen. We are embracing a chapter six prophetic vision. So please bear with me because I'm gonna read quite a bit of Scripture and that's what we should be doing in church. And uh, chapter 6, verses 1 to 19, I'll, I'll miss a couple of them, the words, but uh, I'll go through most of it. Sambalat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies found out, this is Nehemiah speaking, that I had finished rebuilding the wall and that no gaps remained, though we had not yet set up the doors in the gates. So Sambalat and Geshem sent a message asking me to meet them at one of the villages in the plain of Ono. When someone sends you a letter and demands a catch-up, it's probably Ono. (laughs) But I realised they were plotting to harm me. So I replied by sending this message to them. I am engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? Four times they sent the same message and each time I gave the same reply. The fifth time, Sambalat's servant came with an open letter in his hand and this is what he said. There is a rumour around the surrounding nations and Geshem tells me it is true. Gossip and rumours. It's amazing how many Christians have lost their sense of humour, but they've picked up a sense of rumour. Sometimes we have a sense of rumour. I've heard, have you heard? Nearly every phone call I've had in the last few weeks, have you heard? Or we've heard, someone said, and it's always second-hand information. And it goes on, according to his reports, you plan to be their king. He also reports that you have appointed prophets in Jerusalem to proclaim about you. Look, there is a king in Judah. You can be very sure that this report will get back to the king. So I suggest that you come and talk it over with me. And I replied, there is no truth in any part of your story. You are making the whole thing up. They were just trying to intimidate us Um, sorry, imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work. I'm gonna go down to verse 15 for time. So on October the 2nd, the wall was finished just 52 days after we'd begun. When our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. They realised that this work had been done with the help of our God. During those 52 days, many letters went back and forth between Tobiah and the nobles of Judah. For many in Judah had sworn allegiance to him because his father-in-law and Shechem's son, and if you keep reading, this was a family issue. And there's all these people in one family causing all this issue. And they kept telling me about Tobiah's good deeds. And then they told him everything I said. And Tobiah, who was the guy attacking the vision, kept sending threatening letters. I've seen this in God's church, not just in Adelaide, but around the world, around the nations. And God gives us the Scripture so that we can learn from Scripture and realise we have an enemy. 
we have an enemy. As Christians, we aren't people of warfare. We cannot be Christians that just have a, a great life for all of our life. Ask me about it. There's been times of warfare that have been so deep. And it's amazing to me that often when I have to bring a challenging message to a group of pastors and leaders that the day before I get so sick, I vomit, I get all sorts of physical attacks. And I'm telling you, it's more than physical because the enemy wants to stop the work of God going ahead. And I wanna tell you at the end of chapter six, with all these letters that have been written, all these attacks, we've heard somebody said, what happens is the wall is finished. And in chapter seven, if you go and read it, people start to get posted in front of the wall, in front of where they live to take ownership. I remember in our seventh year, all of a sudden things took off in this church. We're only in chapter five. 50 people left this church in one hit because someone accused me of something I'd never done. And it broke my heart, which many of those people 10 years later have come and apologised. But in the meantime, you need the courage to live with the convictions and stand with what God puts in your heart. And I'm not being arrogant this morning, but as a dad, I wanna be honest and I wanna be truthful because after chapter seven comes chapter eight. And this is where my heart is today. And I pray that you'll hear the Word of the Lord. In chapter eight, all the people assembled with unified purpose let me declare today that there's a moment coming right now of unified purpose at the square just inside the water gate. They asked Ezra the scribe to bring out the book. Can I stop here? This is not in my notes, but I wanna say this right now. That when you look at the story, there wasn't one man that got the glory. Even though Nehemiah rebuilt the walls, he wasn't a priest. And so this day in chapter eight, Nehemiah didn't have to be on a platform and go, look at what I did. Look at what I achieved. Now Ezra the priest is standing on the platform because God positions His people according to their God shape and where He wants them to be. And it's all through this chapter. They asked Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given for Israel to obey. So on October the 8th, Ezra the priest brought brought the book of the law before the assembly, which included men and women and all the children old enough to understand. He faced the square just inside the water gate from early morning until noon and read aloud to everyone who could understand. All the people, not some of them, all the people listened closely to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform that had been made for the occasion. To his right stood a whole lot of guys that I can't pronounce their names. Guglamucci's better than any of these. I can't pronounce them. And so I have to go down a couple of verses and Ezra stood on the platform in full view of all the people. When they saw him open the book, they all rose to their feet. Then Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people chanted, Amen, Amen, as they lifted their hands. So if you're not into Pentecostalism and raising your hands, it didn't start in America. It started right here in the Bible. Because when you hear the Word of the Lord and you hear the Amen and the Amen, and they lifted their hands, then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. 
Then the Levites and a whole lot of other names I can't pronounce instructed the people in the law while everyone remained in their places. There's so much here. They read from the book of the law and God clearly explained the meaning of what was being read, helping the people understand each passage. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe and the Levites who were interpreting for the people and said to them, I've got to be honest this morning, I came to a prayer meeting this morning here and I watch who's praying and I watch how they're praying. Let me tell you friends, this church has got an amazing future and there's generations of anointing in this house and it's not about one person, it's about all of us together. And then he says this, don't mourn or weep on such a day as this. For today is a sacred day before the Lord your God. For the people had all been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. And Nehemiah continued, go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who've got nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before the Lord. Don't be dejected for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Oh my goodness. And I remember not the day, but the, the time in, the, in our history when this Scripture came alive to me and I began to see a church that God was calling us to build, that we've seen parts of it, we've seen aspects of it, but the story ain't over. And church, I wanna say part two right now, it's time to arise and build. It's time to arise and build. This is a picture of God's church I've always desired to see and build. First of all, and I'm gonna go through a few statements and then I'm gonna summarise it. We've got 10 minutes left and we're gonna turn this church into a prayer meeting this morning at the end and we're gonna pray some of this stuff into being. My house shall be called a house of prayer. Jesus said this after He goes into the temple with a whip and cleans it out. But He says it just after He's coming into town on a donkey and everybody goes, you're awesome. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. If I was Jesus, having all that praise coming my way, I would turn around and go, I don't think I'll clean the temple out today. I think I'll wait to another day because right now I've got to bask in this celebrity moment. But he totally ignores the Hosanna because he knew the same people that say Hosanna are also gonna say crucify you. That's how quickly we can change. And so he goes into the temple and he cleans out the temple. And so I believe today that Jesus is building His church and it's an awesome, awesome time to listen to His voice. So first of all, people were assembled in a unified purpose. I genuinely believe we don't, we don't fully understand the power of spiritual unity. See, unity is something, as I've said in this place many times, is given to us by God when we're born again. We're not called to unite, we're called to preserve our unity. Ephesians 4 says, preserve the unity of the Spirit. When Christians have no desire to stay united, I have to question, well, what kind of Spirit is leading our lives? We're all brothers and sisters. I preach in a lot of churches and I watch people line up, I've said this before, for coffee and they don't even talk to each other. When's my coffee coming? Why is it taking so long? And you think, is that how low it's become? And I wanna say today as a dad, I wanna say, let's lift, 
Let's lift because hospitality is not just about food. Come on, we've got to lift. And one day we will talk about that. But people assembled with a unified purpose. The next thing is they asked for the Word to be brought out. I promise you today, I promise you today that around this nation, especially with teenagers like the ones that have just been to camp, there is a new hunger rising. There's a new desire rising. There's a hunger not just for feel good, but there's a hunger to hear the Word, to know the Word, to know the Word. I was in a meeting yesterday with a young man that I'm mentoring. If you saw him, he's scary. Covered from head to toe in tats and had such an incredible life. But I was in a meeting with him yesterday with his five-year-old boy standing right in front of him. I got a photo on my phone. And then the little boy is raising his hands as dad's raising his hands in worship. Copying dad. I burst into tears. And then I got a photo this morning with a caption. My son said, we had a, a moment where we just crossed the line into the purposes of God. And he said to his dad, Dad, when we crossed that line, I was covered in goosebumps and something happened to me and I know I wanna give my life to serve Jesus. I see a church where there's a desire for truth again. There's an absolute desire for truth. In a couple of weeks' time, I'm meeting with a whole lot of Baptist pastors and Church of Christ pastors and they rang me up and they said, oh, we heard a message on the Bible pattern. Can you come and train our pastors in biblical pattern because we got such a hunger for truth. I'm so grateful to God that I saw this in Nehemiah 8. The Word was received by all generations. And as I was praying yesterday, the Lord said, there's gonna come a new anointing on families. We're gonna have a new anointing on families where we need dads to be priests of their homes and we need to train dads. We need to train dads on how to lead a church in their home with their kids and not just leave it to children's church as much as a good, they do an amazing job. But it's not a job. We're mentoring and moulding and I believe there's a new family's anointing. There's a new family's anointing and we're gonna see God do some amazing things because all that could understand Listen to the Word, the kids understood. I believe there's gonna be home groups and I'm not, I am prophesying not just here, but in the body, where we don't have the kids in another room, where the kids can sit with the parents and they can sit with adults and they can contribute because God wants to do a work in generations, working together. Then Ezra took time to explain the Word. There's a new desire in pastors. Right now I'm telling you, there's a new desire in pastors to impart the Word. We've been entertaining from the platform in this nation for so long that if we read long passages of Scripture in church, people fall asleep because they're so used to entertainment. I didn't get anything out of that sermon. He had a monotone voice. I didn't get anything out of that one because he shouted too much. And I just wanna say that's all changing because God gives every pastor a job description. Correct, adjust, rebuke, encourage with good sound teaching, not with aggression, 
not with having a go at people, but teaching of the Word. And I prophesy today, the day is coming where we can study in church books of the Bible. We can actually get to know the Bible. We can get back to Bible training because this is what happened on that day. It wasn't entertainment. It wasn't lights and smoke. It was an opening the scroll and everybody freaks out as they heard the Word. People are listening closer to the Word of the Lord right now. Ezra stood on a platform built for the occasion ahead of time. And God spoke to my heart yesterday morning. He said, I'm asking for pastors and I'm about to start something in the city with pastors coming to pray. Coming together as pastors to pray for our city because we gotta prepare our platforms ahead of time. Can't stand on a platform and just pull out an oldie and go for it. We gotta prepare our platforms ahead of time. And what I'm sharing in this church in this season are truths that have been given to us over many years, but it's not because it's an old sermon, but it's a truth that's been living and living and living. And we need to get back as leaders to prepare ahead of time our platforms. We as godly leaders need to be in full view of people. They stood on a platform so they could be seen. So what does that mean? For those of us that are leaders in the room, and I think we're all leaders, people need to see our person, which is our character. They need to see our position, which is our calling. People don't need to see positions, they need to see people positioned. And positioned into our calling, people with character and a people of proclamation, which is our convictions. And in the last 12 months, God has opened up doors of relationship with so many pastors and leaders and yet I've lost some close friends at the same time. You've got to live with those tensions because convictions can't be negotiated. Convictions cannot be negotiated. When leaders lead with biblical clarity, hungry believers stand to their feet. When these people heard it, they stood to their feet. They were so excited to hear the Word. Ezra led the worship team from the front and the people responded with the Amen all the way back. People in this environment live in total surrender. We see it all here in chapter eight. I wrote this yesterday for the first time. People receive instructions from delegated authority and don't move around and get unsettled. They didn't get instruction from one. He's my pastor, she's my pastor. This was a team effort. You know what? These leaders knew how to handle people's emotions. What an incredible leadership. They knew how to handle people's emotions. They said, stop crying now. Now it's time to rejoice. Let me tell you something that's missing in the modern church. We love celebration. We just don't love consecration. And the first thing that happens is they consecrated themselves and wept and said, we have heard the Word again. We wanna follow this and they're weeping until they couldn't cry anymore. And Nehemiah or the team, Ezra and the team and all the Levites come up and go, guys, enough now. You've cried enough. Now it's time to celebrate. And I believe God's taking Edge Church into a combined at the same time season of consecration and celebration. And we're seeing those things happen. The next few months are gonna be exciting as we unpack. So I'm gonna put on the screen my summary if the musicians can come, thank you. Everything I've just said to you, I wrote in my Bible in a different way about 15 years ago or whenever it was, 20 years ago, 
And if we can put all of them up on the screen, I see in Nehemiah, in Nehemiah a church of generations, a church of revelation, a church of cooperation, a church of elevation, a church of consecration, a church of celebration, and a church of infiltration. And the day is coming when this house can infiltrate our local community and have major impact. Because God is about to do two things. God is about to reconnect this house to kingdom. Kingdom unity, not isolated on our own, but to the wider kingdom of God. This house was a house of kingdom where people would come in from all over the world and God's gonna restore. We're not gonna do an old pattern. We're not gonna do an old style, but God has never, kingdom never goes out of fashion and we're gonna build kingdom and we're also gonna infiltrate the community because right now there are hungry souls out there that have never heard of Jesus Christ and they need to come in because they want the truth and we, God's preparing us and I'm, that's why it's open doors. It's these open doors, open doors for generations, for revelation, cooperation. Let's all stand to our feet. Elevation, consecration. We're gonna go just over a little few minutes if you don't mind, but I felt the Lord say, turn this morning at the end into a prayer meeting. And you don't have to come, no pressure. But I'd love as many of you that can to come and pray with us down the front. I've asked people to represent these areas and one at a time, they're gonna come up and pray, but we're gonna be the amen around them and shout so we can all pray together. So as maybe just quickly do a song, is that okay? Or just play something and I open up the altar for you to come and pray with us today. This is not to come and receive, it's come and pray. So if you can all join us, as many of you can, and let's be united in that, that would be awesome, fantastic. In fact, we don't need to sing, just that's fine, just a bit of music. There. There. So I'm going to ask Phoebe. Phoebe, will you come up and pray for the generations today? We're going to see a great move amongst the generations. Please don't be shy. Don't be shy. Let's all pray together. Let's be a team today. Let's be a team in Jesus' Name. Phoebe, lead us in prayer for the generations today. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank You that You're the God of generations. Holy Spirit, I thank You that You are the God of the youngest and You're the God of the oldest and You care deeply about every generation. Father, I just lay the generations at Your feet, God. And God, I pray, Lord, for the kids. Father, I pray for a fresh song of praise in our kids. I pray for kids that are set apart, that are growing up in Your house and that know Your Word. I pray for kids that are passionate, Jesus. Father, I pray for our youth and I pray for our teenagers. God, I thank You for the work that You started at camp, God, in so many lives. Holy Spirit, that they are born to be free, that they are born to lead, that they are born to know You, that they are born to be people of the Word. God, I pray for a a throwing off of the shackles every day in our youth. God, every day in our young adults are throwing off of the shackles that they would be born to be free. God, I pray for a fresh passion. God, a passion for the the world, a passion for their schools, a passion for their families. Holy Spirit of boldness to step out, God, and to declare the Gospel. A boldness, God, and a purity to live the Gospel, Father. God, I 
also pray, God, for godly mentorships over every generation. I pray for a unity. I pray You would rise up mentors. I pray You would rise up fathers of faith, God, to mentor the the generations that are to come. Holy Spirit, have Your way. Breathe, God, breathe on us. Breathe on our generations. Yes, Lord. Holy Spirit, we just surrender to You. Yes, Lord. God, I pray for a fresh joy and a fresh unity over every generation. God, God, a fresh song of praise over every generation that You would get all the glory, Jesus. All the glory in Your mighty Name. Amen. 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 What a beautiful prayer. Folks, I want you to look up onto the platform. Taylor Malrici, Tim King on the drums, Mike Vince, Bridget Ferguson, Johnny Mulder, and Beck, who came in as a teenager, were all kids in this church. They were all kids in this church one time, just little kids. And here they are leading us in worship today. Thank God for the, let's give God praise for the generations. God, we thank You for the generations. Joel, come and pray that we'll be a people of revelation and understanding in Jesus' Name. Yes, God. God, we just thank You, first of all, for who You are, God. We thank You that we can come into Your presence and just worship You. But Father, we just want to position ourselves this morning. Father, we want a fresh revelation of who You are, God. Help us to see with our eyes. Help us to see clearly of who You are, God. We're believing for movements. We're believing for transformation. We're believing for change right now, God. And we just want to hunger You. We want to thirst You, God. And Father, we pray for change right now, God. That the old ways of old and the new days is here, God, and we believe in for a breakthrough. We believe in for a movement of people, Father, a passion with inside of us, Father, to see victories, to see the, the victories come about, Father. So right now, this morning, Father, we stand in Your presence. We honour You, God, because we know You want to do a fresh new thing in us, Father. We want to position ourselves. Father, let us be hungry for You. Give us a new hunger for You, Father, God. Not a snack, not a, not a nibble, God, but let us be so hungry, Father. Let us consume You, God. Father, in Your Word, let us consume Your Word. Let us consume in worship, God. Father, we just want to consume all of You, God, in everything that we do. God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for that we can worship You, God. And this morning, right now, Father, we just need that fresh revelation of You, God. Help us to see once again. Remove off the blindfold, God. Let us see You for Your beauty. Father, we love You. We honour You. We praise You. We glorify Your Name because You, You alone are worthy of the praise. We give You praise and honour unto Your Name, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Come and pray for our unity, Ben. If we're Christians, and I know we are, to live in unity should be natural. To be disunited should be unnatural. It's natural to be in unity. Come and pray for that unity, Ben. If you feel comfortable, would you raise your hands today? There's a sign of surrender, but a sign of unity and cooperation. In the Name of Jesus. Thank You, God, for divine unity that You, Jesus, are our point of commonality and unity. God, I pray You would do a supernatural work, that You would draw us and bind us together, that there would be a fresh sense of that organic relationship, of a love and a care, that we truly would be family for one another. God, I thank You that the unity is not uniformity. You take each of us in our uniqueness and in our gifts and You bind us and draw us together. 
I pray for greater levels of care for one another, greater levels of relationship with one another, greater levels of discipleship as You, Jesus, are our commonality. We don't unite around a style. We come around You, Jesus. Would You unite us around the Word of God that we together, there would be a divine Amen in our church. Unify our campuses. Unify us across countries. God, I thank You that You are our point of unity. God, I thank You, You take each of us in our uniqueness and that You draw us together. Trophies of grace, humble and surrendered to You. God, I pray, do a supernatural work. I pray You would bring people in from outside of the walls, bring them in and may they feel a part of family and may it be a supernatural work. We declare it in the Name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Karen's gonna come and lead us that we become a people of consecration. We need You, Jesus, every day. Let's consecrate ourselves, Karen. God, we come to You and pray that we would be a consecrated people who are set apart from the world, who are different from the world, who are holy vessels that can be used for Your purposes, Lord God, that we would give our bodies as living sacrifices, that we would not be people who are conformed to this word world, Lord God, but we are people who are living sacrifices, Lord God. I, I pray right now, Lord God, that the Holy Spirit in this place, God, would would move. And I pray this prayer even for myself, God, that, that You would search our hearts and that You would point out anything within us that offends You, any sin, sins of commission, sins of omission, Lord God, sins of ignorance. May Your Holy Spirit convict us so that we might repent and turn from our wicked ways, Lord God, and rivers of refreshing would flow into our lives through the Holy Spirit, Lord God. We just pray that we would be holy as You are holy, Lord God, and that our holiness would set us apart from the world. Holiness is pure. Holiness is beautiful, Lord God. May people look to us and see the difference and may they see, God, a beauty and and a difference and a purity that they actually find attractive, Lord God. We pray that we would be pure, that we would be holy because we have the righteousness of Christ, the blood of Christ that has washed us clean and set us free. We separate ourselves from the things of the world so that we can be used for the things of God as a people we pray in Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. And the last thing we're gonna pray for, Robbie, that we'll be a church of infiltration. We'll have enough to give to those that don't have any Amen. in every sphere. Thank you. Amen. Why don't we all just take one step forward? Why we're a people who take ground. God, we thank You, Lord. You are a God of infiltration. God, we thank You and acknowledge there is nowhere that You can't go. And God, You've made us in Your image and You live and dwell in us. So 
Holy Spirit, would you give the give us the boldness to take ground, to step forward into the things of God? God, we just pray that the kingdom of God would advance. God, even right now, you've you've positioned your people in all of these different spheres, Lord God. But we're going to take ground, Lord God. There's going to be kingdom ground that would come because because you're the one that goes before us. God, only you can do it. So we pray that you would infiltrate places that only you can go to, that that only you can see change in. That where other people say, "Ah, oh, it's dead there. There's nothing happening. That can't change." You know, pray for something else, or even if we feel that in our flesh to do it that You would remind us that there's nothing, is there there anything that You can't do? And the answer is no, God, You can do all things. So God, You tell us that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So would You strengthen us right now? God, we're praying for for people in this church family that would be in positions of influence to, they're not with rah-rah and making, you know, big changes, God, but just because of what You have placed over them, that the doors open up. Things that have been closed, that they just open up, Lord, that, that You would sweep in. And when You sweep into a room and You're in the, in the centre of it, all things will take their rightful place. So God, let us uh, just be so aware that You're the King of Kings, You're the Lord of Lords. And yet You've made us You've made us to be children of God. Right now, would You empower us to walk? We don't need to be timid. We don't need to be, You haven't given us a spirit of timidity, but Lord, we we would be able to walk in the boldness and confidence that comes from the Holy Spirit. God, we pray for those people in this house that might not wanna raise a voice or speak loudly, or they might feel like their nature is a little bit shy, that even right now, that we would be still and know that You are God, that we can take a step forward and we're bold, not because of our personality, but because of the person who lives within us. So God, we pray that people are gonna be reaching people and taking ground in ways that other people are not able to do it. Those silent assassins, Lord, that they just kind of sneak into these spaces that other people think, how did that happen? And and then we'll be able to give You the glory and go, only God could have done that through me. In Jesus' mighty Name, everyone agreed and said, Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Find more resources and discover what's next for you at edgechurch.com.